Hello, everybody. Glad to have you with me. Coming to you from the heart of Cajun country, this is the Downsouth IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Thank you for joining me today. Don't forget you can check me out just about anywhere you can find podcasts. On SoundCloud, which is my main forum, but also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Amazon Music. You name it, wherever you like to get podcasts, you can find me. So use your favorite platform, save the the podcast, that way you can come back to it later and get notified of all new episodes. You can also find me on Facebook, you can just search Down South IT, I'm on there pretty much all the time, so you can get me if you need to on there. If not, just go URL facebook.com forward slash Down South IT. You can also hit up the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can find all kinds of cool stuff over there, build guides and the Defender newsletter, different projects I've worked on, links to all the different sites where you can listen to the podcast, and you can actually listen to it right there on the embedded player. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. Take a look at it and let me know what you think. You can, if you need to ask a question or anything, there's always the form at the bottom of the website at the on the homepage, or you can go and just shoot me an email, downsouthit at gmail.com. Today is going to be kind of an interesting topic for the main reason of it's something you really don't think about very much. And it's whenever companies do mergers and acquisitions and different things like that, how's that actually going to affect you? And in a lot of ways, in unfortunately, it affects your pocketbook the most. But just to kind of run through some of the stuff that they actually do and why they do it, you know, we're going to run through some of that today. So buckle up. It's going to be kind of an interesting ride, but it's something you don't really think of. So there's just a bit of background on how the bigger world works in the tech side. So let's jump into it. Why do companies buy other companies in intellectual property? And for the main reason is, well, there's a lot of different reasons, and it really depends on the sector that you're in. Say big tech. We'll kind of go through a few things on there. A lot of big tech companies, they buy little startups and different things for a couple of different reasons. One being they want the technology that these startups are coming with. That way they can add those functionalities to their existing products. Google does this all the time. They buy little startup companies that have kind of a niche, you know, product or something like that, but it's a feature that they could use in another one of their products. So they'll buy the company just to have the intellectual property and the code to those programs so that way they can incorporate it into, you know, their existing programs. The other reason they do it is to eliminate competition. And that's kind of the more insidious reason, but if somebody comes in with an, something niche that they think you know may pose a threat later on if they get too big, they'll go ahead and buy them out. Google has enough money right now, or even Microsoft or you know any of the big tech companies. They have so much power and so much money that a lot of these startups they can just buy them out, you know, willy nilly. Unless the the startup is like really really antsy about it or just really does not want to sell. But more often than not. A lot of these startups go ahead and take the payday. You know, they still work on their product. They just incorporate their product into, you know, whatever product that the bigger company wants them to incorporate it in. And then they kind of just fold that company in. That's how a lot of this stuff works. Whenever you're talking about consolidation in streaming, 
as far as a lot of what we've been seeing this a lot lately, especially with every new company and every movie studio seemingly having their own streaming app and streaming platform. We've seen it over the last few years that they've been kind of pulling in all of their their product under that one banner. So you're not actually being able to see their content on like Netflix and you know several other platforms that used to exist. Most of them still do, but it's harder and harder to find a studio that'll kind of, you know, sell out their their product to let it be streamed on a different platform. Now again, unfortunately, that means that there's going to be less and less places to see that content other than their proprietary app or platform. So, but it's a double-edged sword because you do get more content, you know, that they usually put up on that platform. The only bad thing is now you have to pay for that platform. So everybody does it. So now you have to pay for four and five and six different apps rather than one that you can get, you know, a, a bunch of different content from. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So when you're talking the same in intellectual property and mergers and stuff in social media, it's kind of the same thing as in big tech. They want to bring in, you know, little startup companies with niche ideas that they can add different features to their existing products. And, but I found at least in the last few years, especially with Facebook, Twitter, you know, and some of the bigger ones, the big social media companies are a lot more predatory of the startups than the big tech companies, big tech companies, they, they do a lot more of the feature finding and different things like that. Social media, especially with Facebook, having Instagram and Facebook and everything else that they have going on, Twitter and all of the other big, big names, they buy out startups and stuff like that mainly to drive out competition. So that's a lot different than just the big tech side. Even it goes into consolidation into agriculture and science. When you get into the ag space and science space, it's not so much the actual technology that goes behind a lot of these things. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times with this space, it's more along the lines of patents and copyright and different things like that. Patents are the big thing in science and in ag, because if you can patent your certain type of plant or your, you know, your farm equipment or anything like that, you can patent that. That way nobody can copy you. This happens a lot in agriculture with different strains of vegetables and, you know, different things like that. In the science space, it's more patents on how to do things as far as, you know, making different products, different technology behind making products, stuff like that. It, it's a lot of little nitpicky stuff, but it does let the companies that hold those patents actually make a profit from it. So it is very important for a lot of, especially like 3M and a lot of the companies like that, that make different, different materials, different types of glues and, you know, all kinds of different stuff like that. They have patents on all of that kind of thing. And uh, Big Pharma is the exact same way. They patent all of their new drugs just so they can have rights to make that drug and it not become a generic for at least 10 years. So they can profit off of that drug and that innovation for 10 years before it, the patent expires and that drug can become a generic. 
I think the biggest one probably in the last five years that the patent went away was Viagra. So that one is now a, a generic. You know, other companies can make it besides Pfizer. So it's, you know, for the entire lifespan of the blue pill, Pfizer has been making money off of that until the patent expired. And now other companies are free to make their version of it and make a little bit of money off of it too. Now, when you're talking mergers and acquisitions and different things like that in the automotive space, this is where it gets kind of funky because the automotive space is weird. They, they do a lot of patents for machinery, the type of machinery, how the machinery works, but they also do a lot, and I mean a lot, of copywriting. They do copywriting on different names, different, you know, lots of different sets of names that they could use possibly, possibly for vehicles that they might not even use or even hold patents on, you know, certain names that they can extend, you know, like Chevy and the Camaro or Ford and the Mustang, you know, different things like that. They keep it, they keep extending those so nobody else can make a Mustang. So they do a lot of stuff on the mechanical side and on the copyright side. The one thing you really don't hear about very much in the automotive industry is companies buying other companies. It does happen very rarely, very rarely. And that's mainly because there's so much involved in doing that. And not only just the actual merger of the company, but there's just so much money and time and just all kinds of things that are invested in trying to get two companies you know, like, like that to actually come under one umbrella. So it's very difficult and very expensive for them to do that. Now, a lot of times you'll see car companies split. In fact, uh, very recently, Dodge and Ram, the actual, you know, the Dodge car section and Ram trucks, they kind of divided and split into their own separate entities. They're still wholly owned by Dodge Chrysler, but they're still, they're kind of one in the one in their own. So they kind of did that. I think the last biggest automotive merger that we saw was back in 2014, whenever Fiat out of Italy purchased Daimler Chrysler and Jeep. So that was the biggest one that we've seen lately. Now we've seen car companies go come up and go down, go bankrupt, that kind of thing. But there's really not a whole lot that you see, you know, as far as one buying another. It's just it's not something that really happens very much anymore. So if you want to check out the show prep, I do actually have some big mergers and stuff like that from 2021 on there on the show prep. It's on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. It's right under the embedded player. Just click the show prep link and look for episode 804, which is this one. And you'll be able to see some of the, the biggest ones that they did last year. I did find a few good tech ones, you know, that, that are actually warranted getting not only the newest ones that we've heard about the last couple of weeks, but we'll run through those right quick. The first one is Ericsson acquiring the cloud communication company Vonage. And I'm sure you probably remember all the old Vonage commercials doing VOIP telephone and stuff like that back in the day. That was probably what, 2004, 2006, give or take that up. I mean, just about every time you turn a TV on, there was a Vonage commercial. And not many people use VOIP in home anymore, 
there are a few different ones that you could get. I mean, there's Vonage, there's Umi, there's, you know, there's, there's a few companies that actually do provide that service, but it's not a big thing anymore. So why Ericsson decided to pull them, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but a lot of it probably has to do with their, not only their VoIP communication part, but they do have a lot of cloud communication, uh, gravitas, should I say? So Ericsson, you know, formerly of Sony Ericsson, is probably trying to bolster their cloud communication platform. And I believe they're, so Ericsson has a lot of 4G and 5G antenna business that they do commercially. So they may be trying to push that and see what they can do cloud-wise with that. Next one I have is Workday buys external workforce management startup Vinly. And I don't know if anybody uses Workday. I actually do for work. It's kind of a back-end platform with a lot of HR stuff, so you keep payroll and HR and different things like that on there. It's it's all cloud-based, so you know they have. I'm sure there's probably some stuff that Vinly does that Workday wants to add into their repertoire. So that's probably why they bought them. And to be honest, it actually wasn't a very big acquisition. Was, I think it was 510 million, so not terribly big, you know by by today's standards, but it's still a nice purchase. So next up I have Siemens acquires WattSense and it wasn't known how much they actually spent to buy them. Siemens actually does a lot of internet of things and you know smart devices for commercial buildings. So I'm sure them getting WattSense is probably something along the line of helping them monitor a lot of those smart devices. Next up I have Hyundai takes controlling stake in Boston Dynamics. And I'm not sure if you know about Boston Dynamics. They basically build robots <laughs> and they do a lot of different types of robots. Uh, Hyundai, believe it or not, they do, a, besides cars, they do do robots themselves. So them taking a controlling stake in Boston Dynamics to kind of bolster their robotic division and probably gonna get into like self-driving cars and a lot of other robotic type things, it's going to be, uh, that one I'm kind of interested to see, believe it or not, because they come up with some some cool stuff. Honda actually does a lot of robotics too, and them and Hyundai kind of trade blows back and forth, but if Hyundai has a big stake in Boston Dynamics and they can bring in a lot of that technology to their side, that may give them an edge. So that one, I'm kind of interested to see exactly how that one's going to play out. That one's going to be kind of fun to watch, see what they can actually come up with, you know, with both of those companies working together. That's going to be kind of cool. But the two big ones that we had the last couple of weeks is Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard and PlayStation buying Bungie. And Microsoft bought Activision, which includes Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, you know, a ton of intellectual property as far as big name games go and then playstation went out like the monday after that was announced and bought bungie which basically doesn't own much <laughs> i think bungie owns like one franchise and that's about it because the other big franchise that they were calling out was halo and there's a couple other ones too but the funny part is that halo is actually still owned by microsoft so they bought the company but you know, they really don't have a whole lot in their quiver as far as games go. So I think that was just, uh, hey, we can buy a company too type, type thing, um, you know, just to kind of 
flick their nose at Microsoft, which was kind of funny. But it, at this point, you know, hey, if you want to spend the money on it, go for it. It is what it is, man. So all in all, what does this mean for me and you being consumers? Well, in the short term, really not much because to be honest, it takes years for a lot of these companies to merge and do anything and even longer than that for those companies to go ahead and do something with all the merge tech and technology and everything else. So the short term is really nothing happens for us. Long term, though, it does mean that, you know, as far as the bad stuff, we'll get kind of do that first. Bad thing is, a lot of times that means that things are exclusive to that one company, which means as far as I alluded to earlier, streaming companies, you know, you have to go to their specific app to, to download and view content for gaming developers and stuff like that. It has to go through. You have you have exclusives for one console over another. In big tech, you can only use certain applications, you know, on certain computers. It just, the, it dwindles down what you can use and where. And that's not a good thing. Competition in business is good. It keeps them on their toes. It keeps them want, making the best product that they possibly can, not being lax. And it just helps out everybody the entire way around. If a company starts getting lax, then products start being crap and then nobody buys them. So the fact that they buy out a lot of their competition does kind of hinder that a lot. But I mean, there's really not a whole lot we can do as consumers other than shop with your wallet. You know, if you see a, if there's a startup or something like that with a product that you like, buy the product. You know, if the the one from the, the big companies aren't doing what they're supposed to and they really don't fit for you, don't buy it. You know, it that that's the easiest way to go. You vote with your wallet. It's not necessarily boycotting or doing anything like that, nothing nefarious. But, you know, you give your support and your money to the companies that meet your needs the best. It's That's how capitalism works. I hate to say it, but that's how it works. You vote with your wallet. And the same can be said for social media companies. If there's one that's not filling the niche that you like, move to another one. There's a lot of startups now that are coming up that, you know, might not have the exact same functionality. They might not have as many people on it, but you might like the, the user interface a little better. You might like the, the way that they, people are able to interact better is give it a shot. You know, a lot of these are free, so why not give them a try? It can't hurt. As far as ag and science and stuff like that, most of those, it's, again, it kind of comes down to, you know, what product meets your needs. In the ag space, you see it a lot. You know, you usually do buy with your wallet. You know, you vote with your wallet because you're going to go with the cheapest product a lot of times. But a lot of times you go, you have, you know, you stick with a certain name brand. If you like that name brand, stick with it. You know, otherwise, you can always try a cheaper brand, a generic brand. It just depends. Again, you vote with your wallet. For science and stuff like that, it's whatever product meets the need. If there's some kind of new glue that you like, if there's, you know, a new version of Velcro that works while you're trying to hang something at your house, if there's a new piece of cable that you need when you're running something at the house or a new floor polish or something like that, if you like it and it works, great vote with your wallet, you know, support the companies that 
are doing something that you like and, you know, make a product that you continue to buy. As far as automotive goes, that's going to be a problem for a while with the chip shortage and everything and everything going sky high right now. But you can't really vote with your wallet with automotive. And the only reason why is because a lot of times you vote with your eyes first. Because I don't know about you, but before I even remotely even think about how much a car costs or, you know, down payment or insurance payments or anything along that line, the first thing I do is you look at the car, you look at the truck, you look at the SUV. Do you like it? Does that fit your personal taste? Is it shiny enough? Does it have enough chrome? You know, stuff like that. So in, in cases like this, you actually vote with your eyes more than your wallet at, the, at this point. But it's kind of along the same line. You know, a lot of people stick with the same car company throughout their entire life. You know, if you bought a Chevy whenever you were a kid and your dad had a Chevy, you bought one in high school when you first got your license. A lot of times people stick with that brand throughout their entire life and they don't change. So really and truly, it depends on styling cues. And then the second part is that you vote with your wallet, because if you don't like the look of the car, you're not going to buy it. So that's going to be first. But again, you want to go with something that fits your needs and something that you like. So that's how you keep those companies pushing for something new and something better. And that actually leads to the good part. And that is these companies, even though they do sometimes make predatory buys. For the most part, they want to bring in these other companies to improve the product that they have and give you new features, new things to do, you know, new games, new whatever. So in the long run, they do want, they are pushing their product further and giving you more. And granted, it may be in baby steps because they have to tie in a lot of different things, especially when they bring in new companies. But for the long, the long haul is, you're going to be getting a better product at a better price when they do stuff like that because they're usually buying proven technology. A lot of times it's, it's very young technology that they're buying, but it's still proven. So it may be a few years before you actually see any kind of meaningful change or those features from those companies in, integrated into the products that they already have. But at some point you will see it, and at that point it'll be mature enough to where it can add a lot more value to whatever they're trying to do. So in the long run, they are pushing, they are doing things, and they are improving. And that's, that's the main thing that we like as consumers. We want to move forward. We don't want to step back. I mean, take a look at the iPhone, for example. Between 2007, when they first came out, and now, it's damn near a completely different device, bar none. But they got there using incremental steps and just taking little bitty steps going forward, going forward, going forward. And now we arrived at what we have today. And what we have today is a damn powerful pocket computer, something that really and truly we could not even remotely think about having in our pocket in 2007. It's those types of little baby steps that we will see from companies. And to be honest, as long as they're not going backwards, I'm perfectly fine with that. As consumers, we don't have to get into the minutia of how they come about doing a lot of the new stuff that they're coming out with. 
whether it's buying a company and using their code or coming up with it on their own, it really doesn't matter. As long as they're moving forward and they give us a good product at a good price, people are going to buy it. I hope you enjoyed this trip around the the forbidden, not forbidden, but kind of unseen side of the tech industry and business, just to kind of give you an idea of how some of these things come about. And like I said, it's not something that you normally think about every day, but at least to kind of give you an idea. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while. So that's mainly the reason why I wanted to do the podcast on it today is there's some, you know, you see mergers, you see acquisitions, you see these companies buying other companies, and you kind of wonder why. You don't know exactly why, but you kind of get an idea. So if nothing else, it was an interesting ride. And I'm glad you were here to take it with me. So let me end the podcast like I always do with a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard. Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for listening. I love you. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.